The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Good Night Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film, Good Night, Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Good Night, Marilyn Radio, Nina Bosky. All right, well, let's get the conversation going. I'm Nina Bosky, and you're listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio about the life, the investigation, and movie around Marilyn Monroe. Today's topic, the week leading up to August 5th, 1962. And we're also going to be uh, throwing in a, a lot of fun old Hollywood, a lot of good stories there. Uh, but before we get started, I have a special thanks. This star, this, this, star, this show would not be, uh, be going without the help of uh, people. And I'd like to thank them. Randall Libero, who's our executive producer. Uh, Mike uh, Surgit, who is our engineer. And of course, Drew Masters, who is the master at uh, getting everybody uh, in in as guests and uh, follow up, and he's got quite a job. So uh, thank you to all of you for being a part of this show. So many people ask me, what is Goodnight, Marilyn? And is it another biopic? Well, it's far from it. It's a thriller noir. It's uh, resembling a little bit of like an L.A. confidential, and its tone is really designed to take you back to the time of 1962 and what was happening during that time. Of course, Marilyn is in in, in it, uh, the Rat Pack, the Kennedys, the mob, and of course, old Hollywood. And uh, you'll hear us talking about old Hollywood in this series because it was the golden era where we'll never, ever be able to recapture it again. And it's sad because we're losing our stars from the days of screen legends like Clark Gable, Betty Grable, uh, Frank Sinatra, Debbie Reynolds, Gene Kelly. So on today's broadcast, we have an exciting show because we're going to start questioning and exploring what was happening in Marilyn's life and specifically the last week leading up to her death. And we'll give you that snapshot of old Hollywood. Uh, my guests will include uh, Gel- uh, Kelly Jade Campo and Brandon James. She goes by Jade, children of the actress and golfer, uh, Jean Carmen. And uh, they have a book uh, about their mother. It's called My Wild, Wild Life. Jean Carmen, My Wild, Wild Life. And uh, then later in the hour, I have best-selling author Gary Vitaco Robles with me. He... Uh, Boy, what a what a volume. I actually just ordered his two books, Icon, The Life, The Times, and Films of Marilyn Monroe, Volume 1 and 2. So um, according to Immortal Marilyn, the fan club of Marilyn, uh, and it's, you know, they are, they, this fan club is dedicated to preserving the, the truth really about Marilyn and uh, really looking at the accuracies. And as you know, in this show, and I said it last week is the kickoff, we're expelling fact 
from fiction, probable theory, from outlandish rumor. Okay, so how we're gonna we're gonna break this down is we're going to have fact. Fact is, it's documented. Fact is, it can be substantiated by multiple people and multiple sources. And probable theories are, you know, people that say, you know, one thing or the other, etc. But it could be a probable theory, but it's not backed up by evidence. An outlandish rumor. Well, we'll we'll get to those. Believe me, this week has been a wake up call. So they say it's the most detailed account of Marilyn Monroe so far. After a hundred of biographies, each one offering their own take of Marilyn's life and death, and only a few of them being commendable, Gary Vitaco Robles presents us with a definitive study of a woman who's been examined and discussed with almost as much scrutiny as Jesus Christ. So these two books offer uh, the reader a comprehensive view of Marilyn, giving them an academic level of study that is easy to read and follow in doing so. Put to bed the myths and the lies that have been written over the years about her death, about her death, and uh, and her life. So um, she's so Gary's going to be on later in the show. I'm very excited. Uh, this is he's also going to be a part of the investigation team as we start to unfold that. So with that said, um, I also want to bring you guys over to the website. Okay, so go to goodnightmarilyn.com. That's goodnightmarilyn.com. Join the community and uh, also go to Twitter. It's gn. Marilyn at GN Marilyn. We have over 7,000 Twitter, Twitter fo- followers. So very excited uh, that we're, we're starting to create a buzz out there and uh, start the conversation. So with that said, before I uh, bring on uh, Jade and Brandon, I'd like to bring on Another partner that we have, so the community, we also have partnered with Mad Genius Radio. And Mad Genius Radio has a actual whole station dedicated to the era of all old Hollywood, and it's called Maryland. So with me is Rachel Newman from Mad Genius Radio. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Nina. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, I'm excited to, to, to uh, you know, have you on. What is Mad Genius Radio, first and foremost? Well, sure. It's a, a personalized internet radio player. We, we call it the ultimate personalized radio because it has so much more customization uh, potential than, than other services. And it's available for the desktop browser on a computer as well as iPhones, iPads, and Android phones. And then, um, what is the Maryland Channel? What kind? Of, I love it. I have to tell you, I, I yeah. see. I love the old Hollywood and the songs from. You know, I think I was born in the wrong yeah. uh, era myself. So, <laughs> tell us what's on the when the what's on the channel. Yes, well, I I, I have to agree. I, I love it myself. I'm not the curator, but um, it's it's just a, a fabulous way to listen to the sounds of Maryland's time and really kind of transport yourself back to her era. We've worked hard to, to create some interesting music from that time period, um, as well as a sprinkling of even some more contemporary artists whose music we believe embodies Marilyn's persona. So um, some of this music has an underlying sadness or pain, um, but it's very sophisticated. Um, artists like Nancy Wilson sings about personal loss, like a romantic loss, and her struggle to overcome it. But at the same time, this, this station or, or a channel on Mad Genius Radio talks, uh, includes some songs that are much lighter and more playful, more playful in tone. They, they kind of uh, celebrate Marilyn's sexiness and her joie de vivre. Um, we have artists <laughs> like Peggy Lee and Etta Jones and certainly Marilyn 
uh, herself. Um, some of her performances are featured in our channel. So it's, well, it's really a combination of, you know, some of those timeless classics you might expect from the Rat Pack, the old Hollywood, um, as well as some contemporary jazz artists like Robert Glasper, Madeline Peru, and even, even some Rod Stewart thrown in. Wow. Well, that's that's exciting. I have to say I love the channel. So you can either go to madgeniusradio.com or you can go to our website, goodnightmaryland.com. Look for the Mad Genius logo. It'll take you right to the Maryland channel. So thank you, Rachel, for being on the show today. Thank you, Nina. All right, lots of fun. So uh, if you want to listen to more of Marilyn in the music form and that uh, songs from uh, that era, I highly, highly recommend it. So, uh, well, we are going to keep the topic moving with Old Hollywood because I've got some uh, some two exciting guests. They're very lively and very, very passionate uh, about their uh, about their mother. Uh, I first have Brandon James and also Kelly Jade Campo, and both of them are the children of Jeannie Carmen. And uh, they wrote a book about, or Brandon wrote a book about their mother, and it is called uh, Jeannie Carmen: My Wild Wild Life. And believe me, there are some wild stories in this. I can't wait to talk to them about it. But Brandon is the graduate of world famous USC School of Cinema Arts. He's written for magazines such as. Femme Fatales, Collecting Hollywood Classic Images in the Dark Side. He also was a consultant on the E! Entertainment Channel's TV biography, Jeannie Carmen, Queen of the B-Movies for the award-winning series, The E! True Hollywood Story. In addition, Brandon has recently finished a screenplay on his mother's uh, amazing life. And believe me, there's some wonderful stories in there. He grew up in Newport Beach along with his lovely sister, who is also very passionate and... uh, you know, I can tell from the two of you, uh, both Jade and Brandon, that you have a lot of love for your mother and, uh, you know, keeping uh, her legacy alive. And Jade is known as Little Carmen. So with that, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hi, Nina. Hi, Nina. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, yep, it's just Little Carmen. <laughs> little Carmen. Little Carmen. So, you know, let's let's get right into it. How does a, little, how does a young girl from Arkansas wind up in Hollywood with all these wild stories? You know, my mom was so far ahead of her time, and she had a similar background to Marilyn in the sense that, you know, she grew up poor. She didn't really have any parents. You know, her her parents were, you know, her mom and her dad were not married. She was, in other words, illegitimate, which is a horrible word, and that's the word they used back in the old days that's really not socially acceptable anymore. But back in the day, you know, when you were brought up in the world like that, you were kind of seen as an outcast and the kids were the ones that were kind of blamed. And so she had a very turbulent childhood, but different than Marilyn, because Marilyn grew up in Los Angeles. And my mom, you know, more like Elvis, grew up in in abject poverty on a farm down south. And that was in Paragould, Arkansas, which is still to this day just a tiny little town with little dirt roads and shacks. So that was her background. But she, you know, had this incredible natural charisma and beauty right from an early age, which everybody noticed like, oh, my God, like some people in this world, Marilyn being one of them, my mom being one of them, Betty Page, Elvis. It seems like they came into the world and everybody realized right away that this person doesn't belong here and there's something special about this person and they need to do more and to be more and to be in the public eye. So my so, mom 
ran away when she was about 13, made it with a girlfriend to St. Louis, and, you know, within a year or two, she met um, a traveling, there was a, a Broadway show that was coming through town, and she met the Italian opera singer, and he invited her to New York City, and she hitchhiked to New York City at, like, 16, met up with the guy, he got her into her first Broadway show within her first week in New York, and it was a show with Burt Lahr, who was the Cowardly Lion from The Wizard of Oz, and that's how it all started. Very fast, just boom, boom, boom. So many points along the road, it could have ended up badly, but my mom and Marilyn had that quality too. People just now, were drawn now, to her, they loved her, they wanted to protect her. Now, according to the book, um, it says that they actually met at the actor's studio in New York, is that correct? Yeah, they met in the bathroom down the street. She was, um, my mom was in there studying her lines and she was wearing a wig, Marilyn, because she would go out in disguise. But she totally, they totally hooked, they liked each other from from minute one and Marilyn went in the bathroom and pulled off her wig and came out and my mom was like, oh! I mean, they were just like each other, but they were different in a lot of ways. Like they were salt and pepper. My mom was a firecracker and Marilyn was shy and docile, but you know, opposites attract. So they liked each other from day one. Well, you can definitely tell from some of the stories in the book, you know, your mom stood up to some of the most famous stars. I mean, from Earl Flynn to, you know, uh, Clark Gable to... She was a El- firecracker. Thank God I got it. <laughs> <laughs> to Elvis Presley. So your mom, do you tell us a little bit about that connection. Um, she met Elvis at a Halloween party in Hollywood. There was a famous designer at the time named Cy DeVore. You know, he was like the Giorgio Armani of the 50s who would do all the, you know, clothes for the famous people. So he had this Halloween party in Hollywood. My mom went as a, like an Indian princess and Elvis was there. He had like a little gold mask on. And they connected right away because they had the same background. If you're, if you grow up on a farm in the South or very poor in the South, the food you eat, the people you meet, the way you talk, very, you know, that's a very unique thing. So if you meet somebody else that had that same background, it's like, boom, they understand you right away and you understand them right away. Exactly. I mean, my mom was a cotton picker. So just with regard to that party, my mom had already wrapped a rock and roll movie, one of the first rock and roll movies. It was called Untamed Youth, and it had another rock and roll star named Eddie Cochran, who's in the Hall of Fame also. Unfortunately, Eddie died at 21. He was in a car accident. So Elvis, I think, had just wrapped Jailhouse Rock, and he was very interested in the fact that, you know, my mom had just been in a rock and roll movie and one of the first rock and roll it was a warner brothers movie called untamed youth and that one of his rivals had a role in this movie and you know obviously elvis was still the bigger star than eddie cochran but elvis was like damn you know i they made me do love me tender which had these westerns and these ballads and he wanted to do rock and roll because that's who he was yeah so that movie had yet to come out. That was the night of that party. Got and it. And then they hooked up. They went on a few dates. Obviously, they had a romance. And then Elvis went into the army. So then she didn't really see him again until maybe a decade later in Vegas. All right. Well, we're going to have to take 70s. a quick. We're going to have to take a quick break. We're going to continue the conversation. Okay. And when we get back, I'd love to talk about uh, that week leading up okay. to uh, August fifth, nineteen sixty-two. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky, and we'll be back in just a moment. 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat, creator of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, I'm Greg Schreiner for Marilyn Remembered. Did you know that Marilyn was really not a dumb blonde? In fact, she was very bright. She read constantly and was always trying to further her education. In fact, Marilyn's intelligence was admired by such people as Dame Edith Sitwell and Carl Sandburg. For Good Night Marilyn Radio and Marilyn Remembered, I'm Greg Schreiner. Hi, everybody. We are welcome back to uh, Good Night, Marilyn Radio. I'm Nina Vosky, and I'm very excited to have these two guests, Brandon James and Jade Campo. And they are the children of Jeannie Carmen and their book. I'm just going to say, if you'd like a wonderful wild read, Jeannie Carmen, my wild, wild life. Uh, we, we, there's so much to talk about. There's so many different stories. You can't just do it in, you know, 10, 15 minutes. But, uh, James from San Antonio, um, wants to know what was your favorite, your mother's favorite memory of Marilyn? Um, her favorite memory of Marilyn was just seeing Marilyn as a real person and not as Marilyn Monroe, the persona that she would put on. Marilyn was a pleaser. My mom was a fighter. She was a scrapper because, you know, she had to be because when she was growing up, so many guys, especially down south on the farm there, were trying to make out with her. She had to learn to fight at a young age. So she was a very tough Girl And Marilyn was more of a pleaser. She wanted to appease people. She wanted everyone to love her. So she would, you know, she created 
the whole Marilyn persona, which is amazing. It's a wonderful, it's an extraordinary character that she created. And that breathy voice, which really wasn't her, but that was all, you know, the era of the 1950s where women were supposed to please the man and, you know, do what the man says and da-da-da-da. Well, so Mom she used was, to tell us that she, that she liked the real Marilyn better. When Marilyn would come out of that, that you know, that, that character she had, that's the kitten Marilyn my mom loved. So, so let's go back to that week leading up to 1962. Were they in touch during that week? Yes. They were in touch that night. Yeah. So now I, Marilyn, I've heard that. Marilyn and my mom, after Marilyn divorced Arthur Miller, she came back to Hollywood and she moved into this little complex at 882 North Doheny. And Marilyn had actually lived there like a decade earlier when she was dating Joe DiMaggio. And it was like Marilyn was trying in a way to go back to her former self before all the craziness, before the divorces, before the overwhelming fame that just crushes people when you become so famous that you become a prisoner. You can't, you know? So it's weird that she chose to go back to that same little apartment complex that she started out in when she was, you know, still just up and coming and not that well known. Now, in the meantime, Frank Sinatra had bought that complex, and he was using it as a, as a like a hotel for, for his, his women, buddies, and his women. <laughs> his women. I mean, there's a reason Frank was the chairman of the board. He lived Frank bigger awesome. than anybody else. You know what I mean? I mean, how awesome to have like to buy a complex <laughs> for with your women. It's like, it's like the cal- we're going to get into the, the next. We're going to get in the next segment with this is like the Calneva with the, you know, he had number five and then he had three and four for his, his pals and the girls, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Old blue eyes. So how long, and, and now they, they, you're saying that they were neighbors during that time? They were next door neighbors. My mom lived in apartment number four. Marilyn was in number three. And here's something that most people don't know, but if you go back, a decade earlier to the when she was dating Joe DiMaggio, Marilyn actually lived in apartment four at that time. And then a decade later in 1961, my mom was in apartment four, so Marilyn took apartment three. And there's like a famous songwriter who lives there now. It's still, it's an amazing building. I'm surprised that no TV shows have ever taken their cameras in there. And is that was and she lived there right before she bought her house. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she she bought. You're saying that she lived there for a short time, and then she 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 bought her Brentwood home, which is really yeah. that last week that she was yeah. uh, and living. And that's where she called my mom the night she died from her Brentwood home. Okay. But she kept that apartment at Doheny. So when, as far as I know, when she passed away in Brentwood, she still had her apartment at Doheny there too. All right. I don't so think she we, had totally given it up. Do we? Uh, yeah. And so one of the things that we'll be doing here on the radio show too is, you know, the Doheny. Did she? Did she not have that at the time of her death? You know. So one of the things that we're 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 trying to dissect here on the radio show is. You know, we've heard some outlandish stuff from other people where they, you know, they've said that Marilyn died at Calneva and uh, was shipped to her Brentwood home. And I mean, just some ridiculous no. things. So, no, so, no, no. So, one of the things and that. And another you know, outlandish thing while we're on this, and there's, you know, there's not really enough time, but, you know, there was the ambulance that showed up at Marilyn's house in Brentwood the last night. And, 
you know, there's been this guy for years going on these shows. Oh, I was the ambulance driver, and Dr. Greenson came and shoved a needle in Marilyn's chest and broke her rib. No, there was, you know... There, there was, was no capsules found in her system. Oh, wait, wait, there, there was, was nebutol yeah. and chloral hydrate, and that's what, that's what sleeping pills are made out of. That was in her system, but there were no capsules. So you do the math. Okay, there was an ambulance. They did take Marilyn away. She died in the ambulance. They brought her back. They set the stage to make it look like a suicide. Then they put her body back. that guy that says Dr. Greenson stuck a needle in her and broke her rib, they did an autopsy. There was no broken rib. There was no, there was no needle mark. They looked at her with a magnifying glass. Well, what Get are the rid things- of that guy. I hate that guy. So there was nebutone chlorohydrate, though, but no capsules from pills. So, so somehow guys, it got in there. So, guys, one of the things that I think is important, too, is that what we're going to be doing is dissecting. So, so with that, right, There's we're going to be using, as I told you, evidence, right? right. So yeah. evidence, if it supports it. If there's evidence actually there, and that'll be in the investigation and also what we already know. And then also multiple people with multiple sources that can verify that that actually happened. Because Mm -hmm. here's the thing. There's so many different uh, perceptions of what happened that night. And everybody says, oh, I know what happened. And all of us, including myself, We'll never really know unless we were yeah, there that night. Yeah, nobody knows what happens. I only know, I know more, only know from my mom's stories, but my mom was her buddy. So I know more than some Joe Blow on the street that's never met her in her life, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's more than, you know, I, I'm, me and my brother know more than Joe Blow down the street that's making up these fantasies. Yes, and there's a lot of fantasies out there. And then there's also what I'm finding, which is really wonderful, is there's a lot of documentation back to what you talked about, the medical evidence, right? Right. We do know things that we didn't know 50 plus years ago. And that's one of the wonderful things that I think we're doing with the investigation is that back then they didn't have the technology that they have today. So there's going to be some things that we actually will be able to look at that we couldn't look at 50 plus years ago, which are wonderful. And, you know, your mom is part of old Hollywood. She has some wonderful stories, uh, you know, knowing Clark Gable, um, Earl Flynn. She was a wonderful golfer, which I never knew that she was so good at golf. Do you guys both play golf? No, <laughs> I'm short, so no. <laughs> she had an so, extraordinary talent as an athlete, and, you know, I know we, we don't have much time, so let's go back to the Cal Neva, because um, the golfing would take an hour to talk about all that. Cal Neva, Marilyn went there, Peter Lawford invited her, my mom was a friend of Peter Lawford, I met Peter Lawford when I was a teenager, um, they all used to go to Mateo's Restaurant on Westwood yep. Boulevard. Right here in, in Los West Angeles. Hollywood. Peter, Frank, Frank went there right up until he passed away. That was like the hangout for old Hollywood. And yep. uh, so we were no, there one no. night when I was a teenager and Peter sat in the booth with us. Really disheveled, obviously an alcoholic at that point. Really in bad shape, but he loved my mom. He's like, oh my God, Jeannie Carmen. He's like, you just, everybody, Tony Curtis, all these people, once I got out of school and we started going back up to Beverly Hills because we had been in Newport Beach for, you know, a long time. 
everybody that would see her would just freeze. Oh my God, Jeannie Carmen, what happened? You disappeared? What happened? Like all the I know. Back in the eighties, and mom, then you just disappeared. Back in the eighties, my mom's good friend was Howard Koch, the big producer of Paramount Studios. And my mom would take me on the set of Airplane and Ghost, and we'd go in the commissary and eat with Howard Koch. My mom knew some big players, and she still kept in contact with them. Ted Knight, till he died. She was friends with Tony Curtis till he died. All this time. So every story she had was 100% true. I mean, how did she become friends with all these huge well, she did. I mean, obviously, with them through life. Obviously, she did. So um, we, I cannot believe we didn't even get to the Calneva, but we're going to be talking about it next in the next segment as well. Calneva will be talking about uh, you know all the different theories, all the different uh, aspects of of that week leading up to her death. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that you know with your mom and her her wonderful wild wild life. I think that's a that's a great uh, a great title for the book. And I want to. How can people get a hold of the book? Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, iTunes.com, any online seller has it. I love it. And you can it. download it. What a what an incredible world we live in now. I think it's like four dollars and sixty two cents. Yes, you can download it. Wow. So- so there's a lot. It went by fast. I know it did, but I also wanted to talk about her life because uh, there's definitely you guys embody the the kind of liveliness of her as well. Jeannie Carmen, my wild, wild life, and uh, thank you guys for being on the show today. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, you, Nina, for having us. I wanted to talk about the mob and Cal Neva and Sam Giancana and Johnny Roselli. So if you have time on another show, bring us back and we'll just oh, talk about that. Definitely. <laughs> we'll, and we'll try to talk about it in the next segment. So we'll continue it on. So, uh, okay. our, and, and uh, thank you again. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky. Up next, Gary Vitaco Robles. <laughs> Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you experiencing a relationship or a relation slip? Without the carefully measured balance of spirit and ego, it might not be what you want it to be. On Relation Slips with Dr. Bobby Summer and Lori Lynn Mann, we'll explore relationships from two unique ends of the spectrum. In addition, we'll have amazing guests, both experts and celebrities, and we'll hear from you too. Relation Slips can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. News. 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 News.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky, and we are opening up the phone line. So if you do have a question for Gary Vitaco Robles, he's the probably uh, one of the best to ask a question to. Uh, number, again, is 866-472-5788. Gary Vitaco Robles is a licensed mental health counselor and, the, and a national certified counselor in practice in Tampa, Florida. He holds a master's degree in counselor education from the University of South Florida. I find his take on Marilyn, um, because of his mental, um, you know, health background, I, I, I find it uh, um, empathetic. I also find it uh, more layered than some people in terms of, you know, labeling or one way or the other. So for 21 years, Gary has provided trauma-focused treatment to children and families who have survived sexual and physical abuse and neglect and has treated youth with sexual behavior problems. He's also both the chairperson, the founding member of the Sexual Abuse Intervention Network, and since since 1986, Gary has served as an advocate for both survivors and traumas and individual managing their, you know, psychiatric disorders. And, uh, you know, being a, a mental health provider, I think, uh, gives him a lot of, um, you know, experience. And for 20, I think it's 20 plus years that he has been not only writing and researching and uh, really knows a lot about Marilyn. And those books are quite the volume. So it's uh, it's it's wonderful to have him on the show. His first book was Cursum Perficio, Marilyn Monroe's Brentwood Hacienda, the story of her final months. And then his latest books, Icon, the Lifetimes and Films of Marilyn Monroe, Volumes 1 and 2. Was, the two was released in 2014. So um, I'd like to open up the phone lines, but before we do that and bring on Gary. I also want to start a segment each week, and this was uh, this was inspired by Mary Jane Gray last week in a convo. This week in a conversation with her, I have a, a, a quote that uh, is in a form of a you know kind of a, a paper holder, and it's uh, basically it says we are all stars and deserve the right to twinkle. Okay, well I just found out that. That is not a quote from Marilyn Monroe. And so instead of doing quotes from Marilyn, I will do quotes from Marilyn from time to time, but the real quotes, uh, we're going to start a, a segment that says the Marilyn quotes not, the, 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 the misquotes of Marilyn. So basically that quote was unfortunately not a quote from Marilyn. The quote said, it was basically Marilyn Monroe said in a telegram dated June 13th, 1962, Marilyn declined an invitation to a party, writing, unfortunately, I'm involved in a freedom ride protesting the loss of minority rights belonging to a few remaining earthbound stars. All we demanded was our right to twinkle. That was the quote. So anyway, with that said, I'd like to introduce Gary. Hi, Gary. Welcome to the show. Hi, Nina. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. 
Well, I'm very excited. We actually already have a caller, and uh, I know we want to get into Cal Neva. I, I have a feeling we're just going to continue the conversation. <laughs> we'll get to Cal Neva sometime, uh, but uh, we do have a caller on the line. Hi, what's your name? Hello. Hi, you're on the air. What, uh, what is your question? Oh, thanks. Um, yes, there have been rumors that Marilyn was planning on marrying Joe DiMaggio again, and I was just wondering if that was true. If that was true. So, Gary, uh, that is uh, very much rumored. Uh, what do you say to that? Does that actually have some relevance in terms of, uh, you know, uh, Marilyn being remarried to Joe DiMaggio? It, it does have relevance. And, of course, we can't say anything definitively. But of all the speculation and conjecture, you know, there are a lot of sources that, that support this. And we know that when Marilyn was psychiatrically hospitalized in 1961, it was really Joe who came to her aid, and he was supporting her following the divorce with Arthur Miller. And although she probably had a brief affair with Sinatra in 61, most of her time spent was with DiMaggio. They became very close, and he had gone through his own psychotherapy in New York and uh, came to some insights about what a challenging husband he had been. <laughs> and, you know, we've even seen some of the notes that he took that were auctioned after his death, where it almost sounds like he was taking notes through therapy to remind himself of the steps he needed to follow to be um, a better boyfriend or partner to Marilyn. And they, they were recorded in a Sports Illustrated magazine that, um, that went to auction. But the, the stories about the marriage date back to... Um, August of 62, after Marilyn's death, there's actually some um, uh, references that people were talking about that um, in the newspapers. And Val Monet um, was uh, DiMaggio's employer at the time, and he said that DiMaggio had resigned um, in late July of 62 from the position in order to uh, move to L.A. to be closer to Marilyn. And Maury Allen, who was a sports writer at the time, also um, confirmed this and said that, that they had intended to be married. Um, Gay Talese uh, wrote for Esquire magazine, and he wrote a, a major article about DiMaggio in six, 1966, and he referenced it. Um, over the years, people like Bill Alexander, who um, owned an antique shop in Los Angeles, Marilyn was renovating her Hacienda and purchased some pieces from him that were delivered shortly before her death. Her death. She told him that she had planned to marry someone she had been married to before. And I think we could rule out Arthur Miller, and he was remarried, and I <laughs> yes. think we could rule out Jimmy Dowry, her only other husband, so that leaves by process of elimination DiMaggio. And um, I think one last person um, over the uh, recent years was Kenny Kingston, who was a psychic that Marilyn consulted with before the purchase of the home. Um, Eunice Murray, the housekeeper, uh, reports that DiMaggio visited the home on multiple occasions, kept uh, a pair of pajamas there, and um, actually helped Marilyn purchase the home. Wow. Um, well, we, go ahead. Oh, we also know it kind of in the last week of Marilyn's life, um, she was very helpful to Joe DiMaggio, Jr., who she kept in touch with um, since uh, the divorce from, from Joe. And um, 
he had joined the military and um, was one of the last people to speak to, to Marilyn the night she died. But he had been involved in a car accident and borrowed $400 from her. And DiMaggio was, was rather um, upset about that. And Inez Melson, um, the guardian to Marilyn's mother, um, knew that Marilyn really didn't want uh, the money back, but Joe was insistent that the son, Joe Jr., return that money. And uh, Joe actually gave Marilyn the cash, and it was missing in her home uh, following her death. And it was only after the, the home was... Um, reviewed by an estate consultant that they found it rolled up in a vase. So DiMaggio and his son featured heavily in Marilyn's life, um, probably the the last full year of her life. Well, that's a very well-rounded. So when you, when you, you know, answer a question like that, that, that has specific sources and again, you know, uh, rolls out the specificity, you know, specificity, Specifics, I should say, of what was going on during Marilyn's life during not only uh, that last week, but also that last year in her life. So I hope that answers your your question, caller. But let's get into it because we, we I keep on talking about that we're going to get into Calneva. And for, for those of you who do not know what Calneva is, Calneva is... Uh, it's on the border overlooking Lake Tahoe. Uh, it's the Calneva Lodge, and it is known as the lake or the castle in the sky, Lady of the Lake or Castle in the Sky. It's the only property in the world located in two states, uh, eight acres on California, six acres in Nevada. And why is this important? All that was built in 1926. You know, uh, there was a lot of stars that went to it. Judy Garland was supposedly uh, um, uh, at uh, age 13, was discovered there when she was performing. Uh, Calneva burnt to the ground in 1937. You fast forward about 20 years and... uh, uh, a guy uh, named, I think it's Wingy Grober, um, uh, was having some financial IRS problems, and he owed uh, Sam Giacana a lot of money. And so Sam Giacana, um, Sam Giacana, had an idea if he paid him that money um, or gave him the uh, the ability to buy the Calneva, he would actually um, not owe Sam Giacana. But Sam Giacana couldn't buy the Calneva, so he had one of his friends, which was Frank Sinatra. I think it was back in 1961. I may or may not be right on that, Gary, but that's what <laughs> I've been told. Um, so, so with that said, I'd like to just kind of move up. If 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 you're in agreement, let's talk about you know, what was happening when Frank Sinatra owned it and uh, specifically that last weekend that Marilyn was there? Well, the Calneva, it's a beautiful location. I spent my 40th birthday there 10 years ago, so I can tell you how, how lovely and, and uh, secluded and quiet and tranquil it is. Um, when, when Sinatra purchased it, I think around 1960, um, he did invite um, Marilyn Arthur Miller and the entire um, crew from the Misfits who were shooting on location very close by in um, the, the Reno area. So um, Marilyn was a guest there with, with Arthur Miller um, uh, at, at that point. And um, the, I, I believe, based upon my research, the reason why Marilyn um, traveled there the last weekend of her life was um, Dean Martin was performing on Friday night, uh, July 27th. And this could be found in the essential um, Dean Martin um, boxed set. Um, There was a live recording of his 
performance at Lake Tahoe, and it's, it's that specific date. It was very obscure. It took me a, a very long time in research to find that. I wasn't quite looking for it. I stumbled upon it. But at the time, Dean Martin was Marilyn's co-star in Something's Got to Give. Now, that film um, had been suspended due to um, lots of trials and tribulations yeah. during the filming, as we know. Um, but but uh, during Marilyn's trouble on that, on that film, Dean Martin was extremely loyal to her, and um, she had championed for him to be the co-star because Fox wanted James Garner in the role, and when the film was eventually remade with Doris Day, that role went to Gardner. But she, um, she wanted him in it, and um, when she was terminated from the film... Um, he went to the press and said, no, Martin, no, Monroe, you know, we won't replace her. I refuse to be in a film with anybody else. So Marilyn was in negotiations to resume filming later that fall, and Dean Martin had a few projects he needed to do before they could um, reconvene. And so here he was recording. She went there um, with the Lawfords. Um, My research kind of showed that Marilyn was not quite a fan of Peter Lawford. Hey, so um, Gary, Rupert Gary, Allen and you, um, uh, John Springer, her publicist uh, through the Arthur P. Jacobs company, um, they, they did not really believe that she was that fond of him. Um, however, uh, she had uh, quite a friendship with Patricia Kennedy Lawford. And, so, um, so Gary, can, wa- Gary yeah. can you hold on for one second? We have to take a quick break, but I want sure. you to hold that thought. And when we get back... We'll, we'll pick up exactly where we left off. Um, my engineer is saying, Nina, we got to take a break. we got to take a break. So uh, hold that thought. We'll be back in just a moment. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Dance Talk Radio has come to Voice America. Join host Tracy Marciniak and her celebrity guests every week for a show that takes you inside the world of dance. What's it like working with stars like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift? The experts share their stories and the -the behind-the-scenes secrets. Plus, inside tips to become a better dancer, instructor, or studio owner. Dance on over to the Voice America Variety Channel every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific for Dance Talk Radio. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening. 
listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm Nina Bosky. Good night, Marilyn Radio. We're talking to Gary Vitaco Robles about Calneva. And I uh, just want to get right back into it because uh, we seem to, we, it keeps eluding us. So let's go back to your thought right before the break. Sure. So Marilyn's at Calneva, and um, there's you know, speculation that she might be remarrying DiMaggio. Um, it's Frank Sinatra's property. So DiMaggio apparently meets Marilyn there, but he stays at a nearby hotel um, because the, the men are on the outs, and it w- wouldn't have been appropriate for DiMaggio to come on the grounds. And um, there's, uh, there's a witness to Marilyn being there. Oddly, um, a woman writes to Life magazine after Marilyn dies uh, from North Highlands, California, and she uh, recalls in the letter to the editor that she and her husband sat next to Marilyn and her companions at dinner that weekend, um, and they were aware that, of course, she died the following weekend, um, and they kind of saw her there looking um, rather sad. That was their um, perception of it. But um, over the years, it's blown into a lot of, like, secondhand and thirdhand allegation that um, somehow Marilyn was connected to the mob uh, that operated the, the facility and that they were setting up some kind of a blackmail scheme um, so that she would be photographed in an uncompromising situation or that um, she would even be maybe assaulted or sexually assaulted. And this has spun in some rather um, outlandish rumors. None um, have been um, confirmed. And there's been many um, books over the years that make reference to photographs which have never been um, uh, released. Yeah, that's that's uh, what I want to ask no- you about. I want to ask you about that mm-hmm. because that, you hear that over and over and over again about these photographs, right? Yeah. It, wouldn't somebody have them? If, I mean, well, they, they you know, seem- I would imagine. We can say anything exists, you know, but, but you can't really um, build a theory and, and promote it to the public unless you produce the evidence first. Exactly. Exactly. And so no one's ever seen them. They're only, only referenced. Um, the only information that seemed credible to me was by the photographer, William Woodward, Woodfeld. He actually said that he saw some frames, but that they were so blurry, he couldn't really make up the identity of the people in them. And um, he didn't see anything sexualized. Um, he didn't see people's faces. So um, there's really nothing there that, that we, can, we can hold um, as, as evidence. Now, they say that she was very much drugged and all that stuff. Is there any evidence supporting that, too? That, you know, that night she was heavily medicated and, uh, you know, not, uh, not herself. I, I can't find any, you know, um, there, there's even rumors that she somehow overdosed there. And when, that, when I looked at some previous biographies and looked at the actual sources, it was really like a person who had talked to someone who worked there or someone who talked to someone who worked on the, um, the front desk. There were no names. The only name that comes out is Betsy Hames, who... Um, uh, according to Lois Banner, was there that weekend. And she thinks that Marilyn might have become nauseated or um, maybe was, she was intoxicated. And, and Frank Sinatra and um, 
his entourage might have assisted her to her to her room. We also know that Patricia Lawford was there. You know, these were the days heavy drinking on the weekend was kind of the norm. And um, the Lawfords were heavy drinkers, and I think when Marilyn was around them, she probably drank more than she normally did. She didn't have a high tolerance for, for alcohol. And when and that, she died, that, no alcohol was actually found in her bloodstream. Gary, so mix- Gary mm-hmm. I have to just to stop you right now. That's one of the biggest rumors that people have about or perceptions about Marilyn Monroe, that she was a party girl. You just said something very profound. Tell us that Marilyn what you just said, because that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you're looking at a woman who, you know, suffered from depression and, and probably a mood disorder, who probably, you know, likely self-medicated, but she was prescribed medications. Um, she had a low tolerance for um, alcohol, and, um, and she, she really wasn't much of a drinker, but she was surrounded by people who did drink. Um, and... And under those circumstances, you know, we, we don't know uh, exactly, um, you know, what happened, but there's, there's, there's nothing to substantiate claims of yet an, over, an overdose or of any kind of an assault. And so, even um, uh, her psychiatrist, Romeo uh, Greenson, he wrote extensively to Anna Freud and others about his treatment of Marilyn after her death. These are all in, in UCLA um, these documents were, um, we were able to see them years ago, but they're now um, held until 2039 to be released. Um, and he doesn't write of any assault in the last week of, of Marilyn's wow. life. So, so, so Cal Neva, does it have, in your opinion, anything to do with her death? I, I, I don't see how it does. Um, Alex D'Arcy, one of her co-stars in How to Marry a Millionaire, he was there. And he says, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't linked to the mob. I, mean, I think we know Marilyn's character. Marilyn Monroe was not a person who would um, uh, consort with, with criminals and mobsters. Um, so, I mean, that's, when, you, when you look at her life and what her values were and her integrity, this, this is something that would have, would have uh, really appalled her. So, so let's um, do, you know, the, Frank Sinatra indeed was a friend, but, you know, he wasn't a mobster. He was someone who had mob relationships. And so um, she did have some tender feelings toward him, but was rather, you know, uh, not, not as close to him during this period. Um, yes. They had come out of an affair, and I, I remember she, in uh, Eunice Murray's um, books, um, she kind of uh, makes a comment like, um, I've given Sinatra too much. I'm going to hold back from him. So, so Gary, I can't believe it. We're running out of time. We're not even done with Calneva. So we're going to have to have you back. And we're okay, going to have to well, have I you will talk come back and this. we'll take it from here in the last week of Marilyn's life. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about it throughout the series. So we'll definitely have you back talking about it. I cannot believe it. So they, where can they get your book? My book is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and the publisher Bear Manor Media, and Bear is spelled like a koala bear. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again today. Uh, We will uh, continue the conversation. So glad to have you on with us. My pleasure, Nina. Thank you. It's been an honor. All right. We are closing up this week's show, and I'd love to, to tell you what's happening next week. We are I'm so excited. We have uh, Mary Sims, president of Immortal Maryland Fan Club. Um, she'll be on with us. Leslie Kasparitz, who will also be on with us. I'm very excited. Uh, both uh, n- have 
studied Maryland for over 25, 30 years, both of them. And we'll have numerologist Elizabeth Summers on. And if we get time, we're going to have our ex-LAPD homicide investigator uh, skip on with us talking about the life, the investigation, and the movie all surrounding Marilyn Monroe. So on that note, I would love to give you just a little bit of a life bite, something to think about today. Marilyn was a dreamer. She had a lot to accomplish, and she did. So if you have something in your life that you're putting in the back burner, hey, it's time for you to put your dreams into motion. Do one thing today that can make your dream or your life move forward. Ponder that one. I'm Nina Bosky. Until next week, good night, Maryland Radio. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Good Night Maryland Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week.